the 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Second hour, Cofield and Company live from the Thomas and Mack Center. People piling into the concourse because the Utah Jazz have been slapped around by the Los Angeles Clippers. Much to your liking. Good start. Good start to the day. Good start to the day. Uh, make sure you come down. There's still plenty of contests. And also, I mean, you can't make it down today. There's still Saturday. There's still Sunday. And those day passes, like I keep telling everybody, well, you don't just buy a ticket and watch one game. No, no, no. You buy a ticket and you get all day. You come down. You can't go back out. and forth. Cox Pavilion, Thomas and Mac. I will say, Cox Pavilion, and I'm sure a lot of our locals have been there. But for those who haven't, especially for these NBA Summer Leagues where people pile in to watch them, Great environment to watch a basketball game. It brings you. It brings you. It's it's almost like it brings you back to your little Gorman Gym days. Heck yeah. Or St. Viator Gym. That's right. Yeah. Gorman's Gym at uh, the beginning was pretty small, like the the old campus. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah the, the the old campus for so, anybody that's not everybody over here is Bishop Gorman, and you think of that big monstrosity so junior college way out there. Um, the old campus on Maryland Parkway down by Charleston. Um, in a historic part of town, it had a gym which mirrored many of the junior high schools because they weren't called middle schools back in the day. And you would walk in. The second you'd walk into the gym door, you were stepping on the within the, the confines of the the baseline was right there. So yeah. if you took five steps forward, you were on the basketball court. The other end, there was a stage. Everything was wood from the floor to the bleachers. There was the flap at the bottom of the bleachers that you had to pull it up to push the bleachers in. That was some old school stuff. Did you go to Gorman? I remember all, right. all this. I'm seeing it all in my mind's eye. I was going there in the 70s when a reporter at the Sun, her mother was my first grade teacher, and we became close family friends, yeah. and they would watch me, and she was the first person to ever take me to the Rotunda to watch the Running Rebels, the uh-huh. Hard Way 8. Yeah. But that old, those old Gorman days, she would type up on the typewriter and type and to put it to file her story. Aileen Voison, longtime NBA columnist. Cool. Tired up at the Sacramento Bee. Yeah. So yeah. So I know the old Gorman Gym well. Long before you were born, Mr. Yeah, Von Tobel. Before I was stomping around the grounds. I got two years at the old spot and two years yeah. at the new one. The new one, by the way, when I was there was nowhere near, as you said, the monstrosity that it is at this point right now. Absolutely ridiculous. Gorman Junior College. <laughs> All right, so we, this is uh, this is the time, right? The deadline has passed. It was 1 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, uh, for those who did not know, uh, that these players who are franchise tags, of course, deadline to sign those, for, uh, those uh, to work out long-term deals, I should say. Uh, now, guys like Orlando Brown, Chiefs offensive lineman, uh, safety Jesse Bates in Cincinnati, have uh, cannot or did not come to terms on their extensions ahead of the deadline. So a couple of them actually have not signed their tenders yet. We haven't gotten the news there. But I wanted to use this as an opportunity to kind of talk a little bit bigger picture because for me – the Chiefs and the Bengals are two teams that I am very curious about. From Kansas City's perspective, you still have Travis Kelsey. You still have Patrick Mahomes. You still have, you know, figuring that Orlando Brown will at some point sign his tender. We don't know if that's going to be actually be the case. Um, you still have one of the best offensive lines in the National Football League. But your wide receiving core as a whole is a complete and utter question mark. And what that drop-off is like and what you're looking at in terms of production from that position, not that the Chiefs are going to be bad by any stretch, but I do wonder what that is like when you look at the entirety of their wide receiving core and look at what Patrick Holmes has to work with and what that difference is going to be like for them. And it makes perfect sense. And the thing is, it doesn't really matter, you know, when you talk about, you know, well, they got the best off- or they got a top offensive linebacker, they got this, they got- everything changes when you have 
just the same as if you had a brand new offensive line. I personally believe the dynamic changes when you have a different receiving core. Because we're talking about a guy whose Twitter name is Cheetah, right? Tyree Kill. So you you not you're as linemen, you not only get used to the the timing and and of your quarterback and his five drop, you know, five step drop, his seven step. You don't get just used to his timing, but his timing is predicated on his receiver's timing. So we're not going to really know how effective or efficient the Chiefs' offensive line can be with the Ra- with the uh, the Raiders, the Chiefs' new receiving core, until Mahomes establishes his timing with these new guys. Because all of a sudden, the dynamic changes into how much time they need to protect for. Yep, you're used to protecting for someone who can burst in tw- to twenty yards in how many seconds? Less than two. And you're firing? Okay, we just need to get we just need to get them off the line, get blah, 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 blah. Now all of a sudden that increases because routes, chemistry. So there's a lot to be told about having a new receiving core. And McCall Hardman is their highest graded receiver from last season by PFF standards. It's seventy point four. Uh, and then the rest of the guys grade out that we know about, sixty four point six or lower. And again, that's I always I always iterate that is one spots grading metric, right? That's PFF. It gives you an idea, but you always want to use different parts of the pie to actually come to terms on on guys. Can I tell you that I will say... I'm going to go rogue on you in a minute. Okay. The one thing that I am excited about, um, and you can actually get him at 14-1 to 1 to win Rookie of the Year over at uh, Stations, Sky Moore, I think, has got some really intriguing talent, and I think they brought him in to be that you know replacement for Tyreek Hill. Sky Moore's got some real potential to be a burner and a really good candidate for Offensive Rookie of the Year, and I think that's something to watch out for, but... The rest of it, when you're talking about Marcus Valdez-Scanthing, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, the rest of it, there are questions as to what this thing's going to look like. And they just look different, too, right? Just a bigger, longer receiving core than what he had previously. You, Adam, you guys that love their, your subscription to PFF. I like Football Outsiders, too. You're great. Football Outsiders is cool. Um, I, got, I had a conference call today at 6 a.m., some people in Central Time. I may be getting a statistical database for the season – because they, they were worried that they weren't going to be able to download because I don't have, like, an integrated site, like like a VEASAN, like a platform to where they can upload in a specific, like an XML, HTML, blah, blah, blah. Like, I have my my regular personal site that mm-hmm. I load articles on. Um, but but when she got the technical guy on the conference call, which was me and the, the sales lady who spoke yesterday, she got the te- he said, no, 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 we're just going to send you Excel spreadsheets. As long as you can understand and read. I was like, are you kidding me? I, I download them all the time from Sports Reference and StatHit. He goes, oh, well, then you should have no problem. If I get these, you're either going to be bugging Steve to come on or when you when we do your your uh, your, your guest spot every week, you're going to love it because I'm going to share some stuff with you. But the, the, they're, they're one of the few that do what they do in terms of performance numbers. Like down what, to, what is this? Uh, Stats Perform. Okay, okay. They're owned by Stats LLC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they have a database where – if you get the premium package, you can actually – I could ask it – I could get the 53-man roster and I could ask it what it does with these specific 11 players. Take one person out and add another. It'll change the entire – but it'll give values to each player. It'll tell me what they what the, what the, uh, what the projected mm-hmm. yards gained, uh, how many rushes that – you know, because you can get that with player participation. Like, they, well, they were in for 77 plays, right. so they were in for this percentage. But the result, minus six yards, this one had a plus, this one had a plus. So if I can, if, if it, I get, I'm getting the trial. Okay. If it works out, NFL's going to be solid. Okay, I like it. I will say, I mean, I have um, 
my whole thing when it comes to any sort of sport, when we're talking about handicap, you always want to use different, like, like I always say, I, I compare it to a cake, right? When you're baking something, there's different ingredients. You don't just use one thing to make a cake. You're using a whole bunch of stuff to make the actual thing. Right. Uh, PFF is one of the resources I use, but there's a lot of different resources that go into it. Because everybody, look, at the end of the day, they have their grading systems, yeah. but at the end of the day, it's theirs. Right? They came up with it with their own grading system. Right. It is when you get further enough down, subjective to their own means, right? So they always want to use other pieces of the pie. So I'm down. Well, I, and I have my, my baseball pie has been enhanced by your, yeah. by your help. You like Fangrass? I do. Yeah. I check it out. Yeah. yeah there, there's some things that I, that, I, that I have that I still go to, but I, when, that's one of the ones that you showed me at the beginning of the season that I can turn on and count on for, like, a deciding factor. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I'm a, I'm a contributor to Fangrafts, so I got a shirt from them. We're pretty tight. Okay. I mean, the shirt's tight. I'm not that like Fangrafts. Not, yeah. not for long. Not for long. All right. So uh, we get uh, more news today. Uh, the, the Houston Texans, of course, um, have opted to resolve the claims of 30 women who contended that the team was responsible for the alleged misconduct of former Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson. Team issued a statement saying, quote, we were shocked, deeply saddened when we first learned, oh, poor Texans, of the learned of the allegations against our then-franchise quarterback in March of 2021. Although our organization did not have <coughs> excuse me, any knowledge of Deshaun Watson's alleged misconduct, we have intentionally chosen to resolve this matter amicably. Oh, man, good on them. Good for them, huh? This is not an admission of any wrongdoing, but instead a clear stand against any form of sexual assault and misconduct. Now, part of this, too, is, if for those who don't remember, uh, according to one report, the Houston Texans may or may not have um, given some NDAs out, right? Uh-huh. Allowed Deshaun Watson to have access to NDAs when he went to uh, some of these and also facilitated some of the meetings uh, with some of these masseuses in terms of the massages and whatnot. Now, look, any settlement is not – we always point to settlements, right, as, ah, they must have done it, right? They settled. Right. Here's the difference, though. 30, Willie. It's not just one settlement. Right. It's 30. settlements with 30 women. And there was one person who drew up the NDA, apparently, allegedly. Allegedly. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know what to make of it at this point because, I mean, there's party that wants to think, okay, are they is, – is, are the Texans, is Deshaun Watcher – I mean, are they just going to continue to dig a hole deeper – in the event that, like, like, are, like in in five six years, hmm. are we going to have a Gruden-esque type thing where all of a sudden, like, emails came out, like, like if something like this went down hmm. and they just accidentally there was one email or there was something, I mean, you saw what happened with Gruden. You know what I mean, so it's just it's kind of odd. Like, is there a paper trail somewhere in six seven years? Are we? Is this going to be a bigger thing than it is right now? Well, and as Florio points out in the piece too. Um, it looks like we're never going to know because the, the person you talk about right now, I think it's Nakara, uh, is how you pronounce it. Um, the team's director of security was one of those who maybe gave Watson a non-disclosure agreement to use. Now, he was either, and this kind of goes back to what we talk about all the time with certain instances like this with Sean Payton right in, in Bounty Gate. You were either blissfully unaware of what was going on, or as Florio puts it, you know, willful ignorance as to why someone was threatening to expose Watson and he needed a non-disclosure agreement. Or the most sinister part about it is you knew every single bit and you gave him the non-disclosure agreement to use. We wouldn't find out unless the NFL investigates, which you would assume the NFL would investigate this connection because, again, it's not just one settlement. It's 30. 30. So we'll see if that's going to be the case. But that does come down that, that the, of course, the Texans coming back. Uh, you know, we're denying everything, eh, nothing on us. But at the same time, when it's 30 settlements, you would think at some point the NFL steps in and maybe does get some investigation into this. All right, you sent this out. Carl Nassib, 
and we know, of course, openly gay player in the National Football League. Not on that NFL roster right now at this point. Yeah, I, 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 um, I occasionally over OTAs and then mandatories, you know, it dawned on me, and, I, and then I didn't really think about it. And then I was going through my Explore, my Explore page on Google on my phone, mm-hmm. looking at headlines, looking at stories, and lo and behold, Carl Nassib, you know, he had some big plays. He, he, he wasn't uh, massively effective for, for the Raiders, but he did have some big plays. He created a big play uh, in, the, in the opener last year, causing a fumble, right? He, 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 he showed his, his worth in terms of his playing time. Um, he wasn't bad for, for the Raiders, and, and I don't think that he's a, a, he worked hard. And supposedly everybody had his back and everybody supported him. But here we are, week out, less than a week out from camp, and Carl Nassib is without a team. Yeah. Coincidence? I, I think there are times I, you can maybe a lot of people would point to something like this and say, hey, you know what, these teams don't want him on the roster because of his homosexuality. But I think there are, at the very least, some tangible statistical things you can point to and say, you know, maybe, maybe there's a reason why not, right? Last year, only a total of 10 pressures for an edge rusher. Not the best number possible, right, for a guy who's going to be lining up in that position. Maybe you want a little bit more. Um, he has been, what, it was six years and – or no, excuse me. Yeah, six years, three teams, right? So it's not like he was sticking anywhere for the most part. Right. Journeyman. Um, we kind of see this with guys in terms of where he's been at throughout his entire career. I would think that maybe that plays a little bit more into it than the sinister aspect of, hey, we don't want this distraction, as they call it. But at the same time, given the National Football League's past and the way that they have handled certain aspects, would it surprise me to find out one day, and we'll never know, but to find out that the reason why he's on the roster is because they don't want to deal with it? No, it wouldn't surprise me at all. There's 1,696 football players that will make the final cut. 53 men, 32 teams. However many of them are offensive line, or excuse me, defensive linemen, if you're going to tell me that Carl Nassib's not better than the worst guy that you could come up with in a grading system. Well, to your point and kind of where you're going, it's not even just making the final cut, right? It's just being on a roster. Being to invited to the, camp. Right, yeah, yeah. To, being, to being invited to camp and right. being on a roster to being used. It, to me, it's like, it's like the Colin Kaepernick thing, right? People keep coming back with Colin Kaepernick being like, he's not any good. It's like, well, it's not about that, right? It's about it, can he be on a roster and compete in the preseason to show that he has got something still. And if you're going to tell me that he's not going to be one of – I'm not going to do the math, but three times 32, right? One of the three or four quarterbacks on a roster during a pre- – yeah, right. You know what I mean? Sure. One of the 96 quarterbacks on a roster to compete in the preseason, even if he gets eventually cut, it kind of goes back along those lines. At the very least, you would think a guy like Nassib, who the numbers I showed you and an established career in the National Football League, could find his way onto a roster and compete in a preseason, even if he does eventually get cut. He one hundred he one hundred percent would be getting ready to start camp with a team if he had not come out. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Hand, I mean, there's there's just you're you're not going to convince me otherwise. The reason that Carl Nassib has not been invited to a camp is because he became an openly gay football player, and now teams are being ugly, stupid, ignorant, and holding it against him. Mm-hmm. Like I said. I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to shout you down. It wouldn't be surprising in any way whatsoever if that is the case, and that does seem to be because, at the very least, again, deserves a spot uh, on a roster. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. This traffic report is brought to you by Meineke, where you can get a basic oil change for only twenty nine ninety five. 
I'm actually more nervous about alumni weekend than I was about my press conference, to be honest with you, because there's just such a rich history and legacy, and I know how incredibly important alumni are to Mark. So I'm excited, but admittedly a little bit nervous because I know it's just going to be incredibly emotional for me to meet so many people that have really laid the way to build and create this amazing organization and to make the Raiders what it is today. It's time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Routes on Cofield and Company. Raiders president Sandra Morgan talking about the alumni of the Las Vegas Raiders, how important they have been, of course, to building up the tradition that the football team has. And you heard it, Stanford Rout, one of those alumni nice enough to give us some time today. Stanford, we appreciate it. And I wanted to open up with the topic that we actually just ended on. And I know you got to hear the back end of what we were talking about. The thought that uh, one Carl Nassib, at this point right now, two months after he was cut, uh, does not have a spot on a roster in a league that is desperate for edge rushers. At the very least, you would think that Nassib has a spot to try out for a team and play through a preseason and get to camp. But what do you make of the thought that Nassib has not found a home yet? I think we all know exactly why he hasn't found a home yet. I think we can also go ahead and look back to several years ago when you had was what the SEC co-defensive player of the year, and he wound up not making an NFL team. He obviously was drafted. Uh, Michael Sam uh, drafted, I think, what, by the St. Louis Rams or, so, or something like that. But anyways, did not wind up catching on in the NFL. The SEC co-defensive player of the year wound up not making an NFL roster and obviously to the same degree uh, with a Carl Nassib. So I think we all know, uh, fellas, exactly why you are not seeing Carl Nassib on a roster right now. So so then the next question would be like, if we all know why, right, if that is indeed the reason why, which it seems to be the case, like where does change come from? At what point do we look at like active players to call out and say, hey, why is this guy not on a roster? I, you know, it goes back to the Colin Kaepernick thing, too. You wanted more people to be vocal about why is this guy not finding a spot on a roster, and now we have a defensive end who is kind of a journeyman, probably won't get the same support as Kaepernick should because Kaepernick at one point was a Super Bowl quarterback. Like, what needs to change here? Because if we all know it, but the league is going to keep churning on like this big machine, what needs to change? Well, that's going to come – That's going the change is only going to come from within. It's not going to be yeah. the outside noise. It's, the outside noise is not going to be the orbital opinions that's going to change the sway of these NFL owners, the league office, things like that. And I simply say this because when you're the owner of a team, you can do whatever the hell you want to do. And as long as nobody has any cold, hard evidence, any diehard proof, then – they can go ahead and assume, they can go ahead and speculate everything they want, but until there's some sort of cold hard proof in, you know, these owners, these billionaires, they did not become a billionaire by accident. Obviously, they're very astute in the business world. They know exactly what sells. They know exactly how to form a product that the consumer is going to want to use over and over and over again. That's exactly why they're billionaires, for crying out loud. And so also within that same regard, they did not get there by making dumb decisions. They did not get there by simply putting something on paper that can come back to bite them. So when we go ahead into to your original question, that right there. Once again, it's gonna come from within. You look at Mark. You look at uh, at Mark Davis, who went ahead and he hired the first black woman as an NFL president. Let me ask you guys something: How many other female presidents are there in the NFL? I don't know how many. None. None, right? It, it, not none outside of the none. Las Vegas Raiders. We go in right. right now. I'm gonna ask you this: How many black head coaches are in the NFL right now, currently? One, right? I'll go I'll go I'll go ahead and answer that. Right now it is you get it's it's I believe it's three. 
I believe it's three. Uh, and also, you also have Robert Sama, Mike McDaniel. They're minorities as well. So let's just go ahead and call it five. But to the point, what I'm trying to make is until somebody steps up and says, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and hire somebody. I don't care about their religion. I don't care about their sexuality. I don't care about their ethnicity. I don't care about their nationality. And go ahead and set a precedent. Then we'll see a slow trend. We'll see a slow change. But until somebody actually goes and sets that precedent, like congratulations for Mark Davis. I love the fact that he has done that. Obviously, Al Davis, we all know him. We all know we all miss him. We all love him. And how he was all about inclusivity, not exclusivity. So he's just following in his father's footsteps. But it's going to take somebody to go ahead and set the precedent, somebody to go ahead and step their foot out there. And then everybody will go ahead and see, oh, you know what? Like, he set his foot out there and, you know, nobody bit his head off. Like, nobody came after him. Okay, you know what? Now, let me go ahead and try that. And then so forth. So it's only going to be able to change from within. It's not going to be the outside noise. It's not going to be the media uproar. It's not going to be the fans boycotting anything like that. It's got to be changed. It's got to be changed from within. Well, considering, let me ask you this then, Stanford, considering the ground-breaking moves that Al Davis did back in the day and that Mark Davis continues to sort of carry that thing out. Does it surprise you? The last team he played with was the Raiders, but he's he's not welcome back to training camp, obviously, with the Raiders. Well, I think that I would like to believe that that's more about them bringing in Chandler Jones and not simply having much room for a Carl Nassib, who right now he's 29 years old. Obviously, his, his birthday is in early April. So – when you are not entrenched as a starter and you start to get to year six, year seven, things like that, that's when teams start to look at you more like a journeyman. And then obviously this league would much rather go younger, also cheaper. So that could also be a little bit of the space that Carl Nassif is in right now for the Raiders, for the other 31 teams. That right there, I just think that they simply do not want to deal with the possible, I don't think it's going to be one, but a possible distraction in the locker room and with questions being asked. And and that there's 100% with that, but here's the thing. If you want the quality player and, and, and the team camaraderie type of guy that you get, no matter where he go, if he were to land somewhere, there's going to be that very first press conference. He's going to have to answer those questions. And then and then after the hiring, the first two, three availabilities, those players are going to ask what it's been like. And, you know, is there, a, you know, and, and so and those things just follow because that's just, those are the natural questions that are going to be asked. I know when we, you know, when that first broke last year and, and we had our availability, those were the questions. It's, it's not a matter of making it a big deal, but it's a natural progression toward the media that, okay, let's answer these questions. And it's not a bad thing either because you want to get that out there. If you're trying to project the image of it's okay to come out, then let's do that story. No one was going to write a scathing story. It was supposed to be, you know, all positive. So those things come with it. What I do want to ask you is an outgoing story, Richie Incognito, he wanted to retire a Raider because of the brotherhood that he felt, the familia, if you will, that uh-huh. he felt from Mark Davis and the guys that brought him in. Your thoughts on him retiring and wanting to retire as a Raider? 
Well, you know, Richie Incognito, he came out of my draft class. Uh, a good friend of mine, Fabian Washington, played with him at the University of Nebraska, always spoke highly of him. Now, I never met Richie Incognito of any sort or anything like that, but obviously a four-time pro bowler, so we all know he was a very, very good offensive lineman, uh, even going back to his days in Miami. So uh, for him to want to go ahead and, and, and retire as a Raider, that's something that uh, I, I'm very proud of because obviously it shows usually for most guys – they retire, they sign the one-day contract, you know, with the team that drafted them or the team that they were with the longest or the team they had the most success with or something like that. So I think for him, believing in the Raiders foundation, believing in that in that team mantra, believing in, in that 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 mood that just permeates throughout the entire organization of the inclusivity and how they welcomed him with open arms amid all of the mental health issues and things like that. I think that that's great for him to want to go ahead and hang it up as a Las Vegas Raider. But I want to go ahead and just, and just piggyback on one of the things you guys said, as far as the media availability with asking players questions and the possible distraction, it's more of a big thing to the media guys. I'm going to say that. And I'll tell yeah, you just like this, absolutely. I'll tell you just like this for players. Let me, let me just listen to me very carefully when I say this. Some of your favorite players in the NFL, and I say some of your favorite players because usually people's most favorite players are the top guys at, you know, the, at, the, at the positions. Some of your favorite players in the NFL, whether it's you guys or whether it's the audience, anybody listening to what I'm saying, some of your favorite players in the NFL are gay. Please do not ever get that twist. You got 53 men in a locker room. You think everybody in there is going to have the same, the same ethnicity, the same nationality, the same sexuality? No, we're all grown men from different walks of life. And I say that to say players know this. So when they're being asked those questions about potentially could be Carl Nassib if he goes to a certain team and they want to have the presser, when they're being asked those questions, most players are kind of rolling their eyes uh, deep down inside because they already know it's like, bro, y'all are asking us this question about Carl. Like, I know of other gay NFL players. They just ain't came out. So we're already okay with that in the locker room dynamic because we've been dealing with it since high school, college, maybe even earlier than that. So that's why I want to say that it's more of a big deal to the media than asking those questions. And it's seeming like it's a tire fire. It's seeming just like, you know, like it's a boiling hot plate more so to them than it is to the players. Stanford, great stuff as always. What do you got going on? Oh, man, nothing too much, man. I'm just going to go ahead and enjoy this weekend and try to try to find a way to escape this sun because it's still kind of boiling out here. We're we've gone down a little bit uh, on the therm on the thermometer, but we're still pretty hot. So we're going to be like this till probably mid-October. But I know that's the <laughs> I'm preaching to the choir talking to some guys out there in Las Vegas. <laughs> Stanford, I always appreciate picking up what you throwing down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> ever ever since you said that, I just been carrying it out. <laughs> Have I a great weekend, Stanford. You guys be good, man. Have a blessed weekend. Stanford route, former Raiders corner, longtime Raiders corner as well. All right, we'll take our break. Uh, we'll come back. We have plenty left to get to. Fat Pack. Man, Willie and I, we've been talking about this for a while now. It is National Gummy Worm Day. You brought up the gummy bears, and guess what? Hey, today, leg day. You know what I did? I popped a couple today. <laughs> ah, let's talk about it. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and company. I don't care if the sun don't shine. I do my drinking in the evening time when I'm in Las Vegas. 
this like a Fat People song? Every time this is played, I don't really understand the reference to Fat Pack. It Rat Pack, Fat Pack? Yes. Yeah, okay. Come on. Well, but I, I mean, I got that, but I just I feel like it should be a Fat People song. No, I, just, I mean, the very first time that I did this and, w- and was part of the company and he did Fat Pack, I, the very first thing I praised Ari. I was like, dude, this is cool. You're doing Sinatra, you're doing Dean Martin. It plays off the Rat Pack, Fat Pack. So this, is, this totally just hit me. So is Fat Pack a reference to, like, the big guys on the show, like we're all the Fat Pack? Because I always just thought it was like like a literal pack, like a package. Ari? Is of it, course is that, is that, it is. is. That the- that, that's how we came up with Steve and I. Yeah, I mean, it, it did eventually, you know, but it was definitely. Right, so I don't like the emphasis on, of course it is. Hey, what come, are you trying to say, Ari? Well, we can revisit well, this in 21 days, days, right? You, 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 you had been exorcised ah. at that point. But you, of, but you come right, you fit right back in. But we're going to take care of that. Speaking of exercise, we yeah. are working on, and I like the fact I see the waters. Have you been drinking your water? Like oh yeah, I think I'm at. Look, let me check my my fitness uh, pal. Let me see how many ounces I'm at at this point right now. Did you? Now right let now. me ask you the question on the my fitness. Did you go through and do the survey so you could get your correct macros? Uh, there was no survey. You have to show me that. I signed up. In a sense, was, uh, it's not really a survey, but it's. Uh, I'll show you. It's where you put your program in. Beautiful. So it's going to ask you your question. It's going to ask a bunch of questions for your goals, and then it's going to calculate how many calories you should eat per day, how much how much a percentage of that okay, is from give carbs. Me a little bit. Like my my uh, my calories are like two twenty three ninety. No, no, that's that's what you've already consumed. Oh, we'll take care of it. Don't worry about. It. So, but so you went to the gym today. I did, and it was leg day. Leg day. What did you do? Uh, let me see. I can tell you right now. Actually, keeping track of all of this. Let's see. Thirty minutes on the stairmaster. Uh, not in this order. Uh, let's see, kettlebell squats. Okay. Uh, deadlift, dumbbell deadlift. Okay. Uh, leg press machine. So you, okay. Um, what's it called? They have, I was going to do the, um, there was a guy there. There was a guy that had the, uh, the. it's an assisted squat bar, you know what I mean? Like a, a barbell, but I didn't know. So uh, leg press. The Smith row? Yeah, there you go. There okay, you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see, lunges, weighted lunges. Okay. Uh, and then uh, I call them electric chairs, whatever. Uh, but you know, resistance up against the wall type suit. Okay, stuff. not a bad, not a bad, not a bad workout. Um, you got a nice mix for the hammies. You got a nice mix for the uh, for your quads. You definitely want to make sure on your second leg day within second leg day workout. You want to make sure you work your adductors and abductors. Right, inside yep, yep. and outside the quad, and you want to roll. You want to get the roller going and roll the IT band, which is between the hip bone and the night down the yep. side. You ever remember? I don't know if you did this, but when I was a kid, like when I was in high school, I would take the knuckle and I would dig into the side. I never knew why, and it just felt so good. And then when I went to PT about 15 years ago, and they started rolling out the IT band, I realized there's no, there, you cannot work out your IT band. You can only roll it or get a massage gun. And just jam it in there. Yeah, yeah. And it loosens things up. But what it does is it relieves the tension on your knee. Okay. Because it tugs away on the kneecap. i got to so, tell you, man, the, yeah. uh, the kettlebell, this is the first time I did the kettlebell sumo squats. Yes. Bro, you feel that in your core. Big time. Did you hold it up here like this? No, I. I or down low. Yeah, down okay, low. Okay, down yeah, low, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he's up here, they're the goblet squats. Yeah, and then the, you want to sit back and you want to get in and yeah. squeeze the glutes. And, so I so tried. So you did the gummies. So I've been, yeah, that, uh, but I've been, so I've been, you know, like I said, I've been doing a lot of research and everything like that. Okay. Um, so the, the goblet squats, yeah. uh, I did do a couple, but I felt like I was gassing out and I wanted more reps, so I did the traditional hanging kettlebell okay. squats. You know what I mean? Got to tell you, too, I got to work on my form with the deadlifts. Because I'm not very flexible, you know. So like when I go down, I can't really get down that far. And when I come up, you know. Yeah. Well, you'll get. That's that. That's where you work in your ankle dorsiflexion. Got to keep. Can I say? I don't think I can say this word on. It's Spanish. 
Culo? I gotta keep my chichis up. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll be you'll be just fine. Uh, you you want to do your straight leg deadlifts, also not just regular deadlifts, right? So straight leg deadlifts are you're going to get your dumbbells and you're going to go straight down as far until you, yep. you feel your hamstrings pulling, yanking, yanking, and then just as your knees are about to bend, then you come back up and you squeeze your your lats back and then you come back down. So we are yes, in case you're listening, we are actually doing the <laughs> the actual lift on this platform on the concourse. So people are thinking, what are these guys doing? So. Yes, two days ago we talked about you starting things and how to, yep. you know, form a habit. Yesterday we talked oh, about now, brown rice, white rice, and I promised you, and it's National Tapioca Pudding Day. It just happened to be. I didn't realize this. But yesterday we talked about cheat pudding. treats because two days ago you asked about how long does it take before I can have a cheat meal? Well, here's something that you can implement into your macros, and you can have it every day. So. In the dairy section, you get 10 for 10 usually, right? The oikos or the basically the Greek, Greek yogurt. yogurt yeah. No sugar added, sugar-free, right? No added sweeteners. Now, if you want the vanilla, you got to get the non-fat or you get the sugar-free. Either one. doesn't really matter because what you're going to do is you want to get a high-grade protein powder with no fillers. And you talk to the, whichever nutrition store you go to because a lot of them have fillers. Yeah. Which you, you you look at the you ever opened up the protein uh, container and it you get this big tub and you open it up and there's only halfway right, filled, yeah. so a lot of it has filler in it. You never really have the actual macros that are in the nutrition page or the nutrition diagram. When you do the scoop, it'll say one scoop has this, this, this. You never know if you're getting the actual because what you're putting into that scoop could be filler. So you want to make sure it's pretty much everything that the ingredients say it is. Mm. Low carb, no sugar. Instead of making a shake, you're going to dump the container of yogurt and you're going to put your protein powder. Now you're going to whip it up really good, right, with a spoon or a fork. Whip it up. Now you made yourself a nice little pudding. i got a hand mixer for mine. You know, there you almost, go. Yeah. You know I mean? And then uh, and then you can add your toppings and you add that to your uh, MyFitnessPal. If you want to do a little trail mix, you want to do some some cashews, you know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. You want to add fruit, you want some berries, some nice antioxidants, chop up some uh, some banana, however you want to do it. Here's, here, here's go take it even further. Okay. You could get yourself a banana. Well, I thought you were going to put it in lines, and then you could snort it. No. Yeah. You could get yourself a <laughs> banana, and then you could layer, or you could get sugar-free ice cream. Got to be sugar-free. Yeah. But you could, or you could layer, you could basically make a banana split using this concoction with this. That's a good point. Because you could freeze the yeah. Greek yogurt a little bit with the, with the protein powder, and then you layer it onto the, make a banana split out of the protein pudding yeah. that I just suggested. I like it. So there you go. Um, I, I'll need an update. I want to know how things are progressing because this is our final day together. I'll start sending you unwarranted shirtless pictures in a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? Just out Beautiful. Of nowhere, just yep. like, Progress hey, pics. Hey, Willie, what's going on? And my wife's going to be like, who are you sending these shirtless pictures to? I'm like, don't worry. Don't worry. At some point, <laughs> you we got you on the MyFitnessPal. At some point, we will get you to download the perfect app, and then you'll get it over. You'll consult with Jordan. Next thing you know, you'll be competing on stage. Yeah, you'll next, have you in the physique yeah. show. Next thing you know, I'm going to be wearing outfits like Willie. We're going to be showing up with the same outfit. We're going to be matching. It's going to Will be you great. have the jewelry? Uh, uh, maybe not. Maybe not. I'm not a big jewelry, jewelry guy. <laughs> jewelry. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I like I wear, like, I got my wedding ring. Uh, I just don't know because I don't know if it really suits me. It's never, it's never been something I've worn before. So I don't want to, like, 
You know, like all of a sudden I'm going to wear it and I'm going to show up and people are like, what are you doing? But are the you way trying to you, go for a look? But like, the way you, you wear your hair, you kind of, it's kind of like, like the other day you had a gel slicked back. I could actually see you like, uh, like you slim down, all of a sudden you're feeling yourself, you run to the tailor, got yourself a nice little tapered Italian cut suit Here's you my get, and get a pinky. Get a pinky ring. Oh yeah, you know I could I could see it. You got and you slick it back. You get the Pat Riley do. Tell you what, when I drop and when I get down to my goal weight, I'm, I'm gonna go bald. To I'm gonna go bald. Yeah, I'll go bald and then I'll I'll go to your tailor. Then we'll have our own company. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll take our break. All right, we come back. Uh, Gilbert Manzano is going to join us. OC Register, uh, former Chargers reporter, now with the Rams. Let's talk a little bit about the NFC West. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. You have a quarterback with Hall of Fame potential, a defense with Khalil Mack and Nick Bosa, and they bring in the Jackson. They got Derwin James at the safety. They got Keenan Allen locked up, Mike Williams locked up. They just drafted the big tackle. Like, the roster is crazy sexy. And, I mean, if you are a head coach like Sean Payton, you're looking for the perfect situation. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from NBA Summer League. Wow. Look, I know everybody's high on the Chargers. Those are some very kind words. Hall of Fame potential already for Justin Herbert, huh? Keyshawn Johnson uh, earlier today, of course, on ESPN. Uh, let's welcome in Gilbert Manzano, who's nice enough to give us some time. And actually, as of a couple of days ago, is now the uh, beat writer for the Rams, but spent some time, of course, covering the Chargers. So we'll pick his brain on that. Gilbert, we appreciate the time. Uh, let's start with what Keyshawn was referencing there. Not so much the Hall of Fame potential for Justin Herbert. I think it's a little extreme. Huh, what? You making a face? <laughs> I am making a face. I am making a face because before we, we're not going to start. We're not going to start there. Where we're going to start is that I remember when Gilbert Manzano first arrived in Las Vegas. And, and, you know, I was I was one of the nice guys that, you know, was like, who's this new guy? And like, hey, Gil, how's it going? I've watched this dude get more beats and more jobs, and I'm still unemployed. I'm just a freelance junkie. I don't need I don't even get it. Gilbert, you're climbing the ladder, bro. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to polish the dang thing. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, it's good to hear your voice, Willie and Jonathan. Uh, obviously, you know, from my days in Vegas, and I'll, I'll tell a story. Uh, Will be forgetting to Justin Herbert and being into the Hall of Fame at age 23 or 24. Uh, but, but Willie, you know, the first time I, I think I saw you was at, uh, uh, you know, at a Uni- Rebels game. You know, be basketball. It might, it might have been the Lady Rebels. I'm not thinking about it. And I think yes. Drake, Drake just walked by, right? Yes. Uh, and I, yes. We're, we were hanging the out yeah, covering UNLV, uh, Lady Rebels, and you said you come over here and hang out over here. This is where we where we sit. I'm like, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm a little shy, whatever, 22-year-old, 23 at the time, and uh, you're very uh, welcoming in Las Vegas. I'm always appreciative of that. Uh, I appreciate that. But I was with the Gonzalez Twins yesterday. They were over at the Perfect Gym hanging out, so I was talking to them, and they're actually doing an event tonight. So, yeah, that was the days when Dylan and Dakota were they were on asking the team. You, like, whatever happened to Gilbert, right? They did. Yeah, they said, what happened to Gilbert Montana? I said, he's big time now. He's bigger than all of us. All right, so, Gilbert, I want to go down the path where I was going, and it's not so much Herbert, potential Hall of Fame quarterback. We get the report the other day that Sean Payton's got three teams that he would come back for. It would be the Dolphins. It would be the Cowboys. It would be the Chargers. It seems very presumptuous for Sean Payton to come around and say, I love the Chargers, Dob. Um, They have a head coach that's relatively new and I think relatively successful, don't they? Yeah, I think that's what happens when you have a young star quarterback. When, when you're like a – you know, a well-known coach, and you're looking for for the, 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 the best job, a sexy job, you think about the quarterback first all the time. You think about Sean Payton and Drew Brees, that partnership, how that meant for them for whatever 10, 12 years, I forget the number. Uh, so if Sean Payton really wants to come back and it, and it didn't work out with Tom Brady in Miami, we all heard the rumors there, 
uh, he still wants a quarterback. So obviously, uh, you, you throw out you throw out the word of hey, you know maybe the Chargers might be kind of a good list with Herbert and Los Angeles. Keep in mind too. So uh, I don't know how I feel about that. It's just kind of rumors to kind of get the get the ball going for Sean Payne in a year or, or two or whatever. But uh, I think the Chargers are all in on, on Brandon Staley. Uh, the, the biggest thing for Brandon Staley a year ago was to show that you know he could make he could take Justin Herbert to the next level because he was great with under Anthony Lynn when he was a rookie. But can you do more? Can you get this guy to evolve every year? Get that next step from not being not from being a nice quarterback to being one of the all-time greats. So uh, I think Brandon Staley showed that with what he built with the offense with Joe Lombardi. Uh, I know people kind of give Joe Lombardi you know some 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 flack because he won't push the ball. Uh, down down the field, but for the most part, they got through 5,000 yards, uh, you know, over 30 touchdowns passing, you know, a good amount of rushing yards too, a very accurate. Uh, he has all, he has all the skills and tools in the world, so uh, I think that's why they're connected. But I think I really feel like Brandon Staley, uh, he's not on a short leash. He's not with the pressure of year two. Uh, I think he'll get his uh, fair due uh, for the years to come. You talk about Staley, and I want to get to him in just a moment. Um, with obviously reports coming out the other day about. Uh, Sean Payton in three target spots for him. But what I want to start with is um, with as much improvement as the Chargers have made, I personally think that when it comes to the odds for this division that they should be the favorite, and then it's a toss-up between the Chiefs and the Raiders and, and that Denver comes in after that. But my question to you is if there's one unit that there could be cause for concern or there's an area where there's a question mark with the Chargers, what is it? I want to give you two, Willie, so I'm going to go for two. Uh, uh, you know, going on the right tackle side, that's the biggest concern for sure. Right tackle, uh, you know, they're going with Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins. Pipkins. You're probably asking for these guys because, uh, yeah, they're not household names and, and, you know, they're not reliable, consistent guys. Uh, Raider fans might know Storm Norton because they helped them. You know, they got help from Storm last year in that uh, Chargers uh uh, Raider game week 18 at Thriller there because Max Crosby was eating up the right side and putting a lot of pressure, uh, so that cost him. Uh, Trey Tipkins was a guy that drafted in the third round in 2019 but hasn't developed that uh, for the most part, so they kind of just said, you know what, let's kind of roll the dice, and we have four good linemen in the fifth one. Let's see what happens. So that's kind of gutsy on their part, and the one that people are not looking at is the interior of the defensive line. Uh, you know, defensive line and linebacker. That front seven, I'm I'm not sure they did enough there because they got gas all last year uh, in that that uh, running game. So yeah, you get Khalil Mack, but he, he's going to help you on, on the edge. Khalil Mack is a good run stopper too, but you, I don't think they did enough uh, inside in the trenches uh, in the linebacker position. So I'm worried about that. But when you have J.C. Jackson, Derwin James, they're both uh, uh, maybe they'll be enough for them on defense. Yeah, I know that uh, Staley really wants Mack in there. They obviously have a relationship from Staley's days over at, at Chicago. Now, speaking of him, so Sean Payton comes out yesterday that some target areas, uh, Miami, um, the L.A. Chargers, and the Dallas Cowboys. I'm of the belief, we talked about this yesterday, like I can't imagine that management is going to abandon Brandon Staley regardless of what take, I mean, I, I don't think that they're going to have a down season. I know they missed the playoffs in the final game of the season last year, but is he on the hot seat? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think he's in the hot seat, but I guess I'll, I'll say this, and I kind of hate myself for doing it because I'm kind of stirring the pot, and I'm already leaving for another beat, so why not? It's a good time right now. Uh, but, you know, say they have a bad year, uh, you know, and they miss the playoffs now, you know, for two years in a row with Brandon Staley, and year three for, for Justin Herbert, uh, such a great quarterback, not to make the playoffs for three years, 
and, and Sean Payton saying, "Hey, come, come, you know, come talk to me for a little bit." It, it could be kind of enticing. It could be attractive. That that's a scenario happens where it just falls apart because it's set up for Brandon Staley. You know, I guess I'll say it like this: It's not hot seat. It's just a lot of pressure on Brandon Staley because you cannot complain about the roster this year. Last year, you could. It was Anthony and Lynn's guys. They weren't the type of guys for a scheme. You know, the biggest thing I think uh, for the scheme thing was, uh, like I mentioned, the interior defensive line. A lot of those guys, the D tackles were undersized to play a three-four. Now they got some guys there. I know they weren't household names, but that's still to say, Austin Johnson. They're like six foot four, three hundred and fifty pounds. So uh, they're not big names, but they, they fit the scheme. So the, these are all the guys that Brandon Staley wanted. Uh, you know, Tom Telesco said, "Hey, who do you want? Let's make it work." Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson. Here you go, Calvin Noy. Uh, so if you kind of put it that way, where they went all in this year and they still couldn't make the playoffs, and Sean Payton still still saying, hey, I like Justin Herbert, can we partner up? I could see a scenario there. But right now, I don't sense any like hot tea or, or like, hey, Brandon, do it now or you're out of here. So uh, things change fast, as you guys know, in the NFL. Uh, but for right now, I'm not taking that thing at all. Uh, and I expect the team to be good, so I don't see this happening at all. Gilbert, we are up against it. we got to say goodbye, but it's good to talk to you, man. Thank you for the time today. Thank you, Willie and Jonathan. appreciate you guys.